All right. Hey, y'all. Good morning. Um, a few, a little while ago, uh, there was an advertisement that came out that at the Walton Arts Center, they were going to do a version of Pretty Woman, uh, which is a movie that uh, Terry and I both, but Terry really likes. And so she, uh, she's like, hey, we should, we should go watch that. We've never been to the Walton Arts Center to, to watch anything like that. Um, and she, she was like, you know, and it was, it was a little bit of a forceful suggestion, but it was more of a like, hey, that might be fun, you know. And so, uh, you know, it, it went on my radar. That's, that's something that she might like to do. But, man, it's the start of the school year, and life is crazy, and there's not a whole lot of time. And then I went looking at the ticket prices, and I started running it. It didn't take me very long to go, okay, that was a great suggestion. Uh, but it went off my radar. So then, you know, a week or so goes by, and she brings it up again, this time with a little bit more bite to it, you know. Hey, I really want to go to that. And then I looked, but then I was like, yeah, but you know how we got all these things going on, and we don't really have time, and we whatever. And so then it just kind of kept on building up until uh, last week. She's like, you know it's not going to be on much longer. Like, yeah, she says, so, uh, I mean, are we, are we seriously not going to go? Uh, at point, that point, I realize, uh, hey, this is not a negotiable thing. This is a necessary thing that there are going to be consequences if I don't make happen. And so I went and made it, made it happen, and we had, we had a great time. Um, but, you know, it's really important when things move from non-negotiable or, or negotiable to non-negotiable to necessary to essential uh, I, we used to play this game when we lived overseas, and you know, when you'd be in an Asian market, everything's up for bartering. And so we would walk up to a table, and we kind of had this, uh, this thing between us that we knew. If, if it was on this edge of kind of just want, uh, then, you know, I might fight for it a little bit hard, try to really get the price down. But if it's over here till need, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, if she walks out and says, hey, that's an 8, then I know our nine, I'm like, well, I got it. I'm going to end up having to get it. So I'm just going to have to get the best price that I can get, but we're not going to walk because it's too important. It's not just something that's a suggestion. It's something that's a, a necessity. And, you know, as we've been moving through this series, Paul is describing what a community of faith looks like. And he describes it as something that is essential. Uh, you can't really make much of a reading of the of the scriptures without seeing that, that it's, this is a communal thing. In fact, when Charlie started out in, in chapter 12 of, of Romans, it says, Though we are many, we are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. If you'll remember, he used the illustration like a nose, man, a nose laying there on the, on the sidewalk. He might, might think much of himself. He might be a beautiful nose. <laughs> But it can't, it can't really do much by itself. A nose has to be connected to a body. And uh, the body needs the nose, and, but the nose, the nose needs the body. And it's just such a clear picture that it can't. This is not solo. It can't, it can't do the thing on its own. We, we need one another. We are members of one another. And so as we've been moving through this series, and really for the last year, kind of leading up to this series, this is the thing that I'm really convicted about. That this commitment to community as as not just a a maybe or a want to, but a have to, is critical to us. It feels like I, it feels like like we have always made this an invitation. Hey, you know what? If it fit into your schedule, you maybe ought to. Hey, if if it's good, you know, maybe just maybe. And really, we're not given that freedom. 
this is, this is what the Bible describes it's supposed to look like. We do life together. And it's critical that we're committed to it. But you know, I mean, if it's, a, if it's an invitation, then when life gets tough, when schedules get busy, if, you know, it's, it's just real easy to kind of bail on an invitation. But if it's an expectation that we're committed to, that looks very different. And when I was talking about it this week uh, with some friends, actually, we were just talking about uh, the way that the, the gospel sometimes is, is seen this way. And there's a, a book I read a few years ago, and this, he, this author was specifically talking about it as it pertains to the gospel. But I think it's also true as we talk about community. He said, you know, like if you were on an airplane and you were, you were there and the stewardess came up and she handed you a parachute and she said, hey, hey, put this parachute on. It's going to make your ride awesome and wonderful. And it's, you're, you're going you're to have the best ride on the plane if, you, if you'll just take this parachute. And so you take the parachute, you, you slide it on, but the parachute's kind of heavy. And you know, it, you can't really lean back in your seat. You're kind of hunched over and your back starts to hurt and... You're kind of getting hot and sweaty. You're looking around. And the other people on the plane seem to, without the parachutes, seem to be having a better time than you are. And you're thinking, man, she, she lied to me. Then they bring out the meal, and you can't even put the little, you know, the little tray thing down because your head's leaned too far forward, and so you miss the meal. And you just start to say, man, she lied to me. You take that parachute off, and you throw it in the aisle. I don't need that parachute. That's a very different experience than if the stewardess comes up to you and says, hey, I just talked to the pilot, and this plane is going down. I've got a few parachutes here. Put this parachute on. And you put that parachute on, and you don't care if your back's hurting. You don't care if it's hot. You don't care. You don't care about anything. All you, you know that this is your only hope. And that's true of the gospel. <laughs> Jesus is our only hope. It's not just uh, going to make the ride easier. In fact, life is hard. That's the reason we have to hold on to the parachute tight. And it's also true of this picture of biblical community. It's, uh, if we're just saying, hey, this is going to make things better, the truth is relationships are hard. Doing the life together in honesty is difficult. And so it has to be something that we're saying, this is, the Bible reveals a, a community that this is essential for survival, for you and for me. And so today we're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 15. And we're just going to get really super practical about what this thing looks like. Paul uh, gives us a real clear picture about this being an expectation. And I'm going to read this passage, just uh, seven verses, beginning in verse 1. And I'll just say at the front, I'm going to read it slow. uh, Then we're going to make a few points from it. And I'm just going to ask you, maybe as much as ever, just just read along with me. Track with me as as we read this. He says some really big things that we're going to refer back to. And it's going to help a whole lot if you you track with me as I read it. So let's go. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. I might just read that first verse again. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and encouragement, let's see, through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in one accord with Christ Jesus. 
that together you may in one voice glorify God and Father, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. All right, now if you were here last week, if you've been tracking along in chapter 14, right before this, we talked about these, uh, these things that divide us, these, these uh, disputable matters, these, these gray areas. And, uh, and really with my small group this week, as we were processing this a little bit, I mean, you just, you just think about the church at large and how subdivided it is by so many of those gray areas and disputable matters. I mean, this is speaking directly to us. And that's just normal. That's, that's just normal. That's, that's, that's what people do. And it's worth saying at the beginning of this, y'all, what this is calling us to is a radical way. It, it is a way that most of us, me included, have not seen modeled that often or gotten to be a part of that much. Because what's normal is everybody, you know, talking behind each other's back and judging, like it talked about that last passage, showing, showing contempt for one another or judging one another and dividing out and surrounding yourself with people that only agree with you and all the things that divide us. And then Jesus is calling us to this higher way. Paul is talking about this, this better path that really is radical and supernatural. And it, it, just because we haven't seen it, though, doesn't mean it's not possible. It's here because it is possible, and it is so radical. It's the reason why Jesus says when a community looks like this, everybody standing around them has to say, that thing's special. That thing's powerful. This Jesus must be true because it is a radical, better way. You know, I, uh, I, I like bacon. It's kind of a new thing for me to like bacon. Uh, I used to think that bacon was unhealthy, and now I have become enlightened to the healthiness of the bacon. Uh, amen. Uh, but one thing is I've, over the last few years, tried to learn how to cook bacon. Bacon's difficult to cook, y'all. I, it's like, you know, you throw it in the oven, it doesn't really do it right. Terry really likes it a certain amount of crispy, and, and I'm always trying to, to nail that crispiness. But the oven's difficult, and a frying pan, sometimes that's tough to get it all evenly cooked. You know, I've, I've known fe- folks who would do it on the, over the grill, you know, and over a flame, but that's always really hard to monitor and, and keep. And so, so I've just, each one of these different ways, I'm trying and I'm not really ever hitting it. And then Terry brought home an air fryer. Now, I don't know if you've experienced the air fryer yet, but we're throwing all kinds of things in this air fryer. And I'm convinced it's healthy. Don't tell me otherwise. And, and, it's, and it's working. It's, it's cooking things, and they're good. And then so one, one weekend, I, I got some bacon. I'm like, man, I mean, could I throw this bacon in that air fryer? What might happen? And so I, I looked it up, and sure enough, man, it's a thing. You can cook bacon in an air fryer. And so you have to watch the temperature. You have to do it just right. But, man, when it finished, y'all, it was bacon the way bacon is intended to be cooked. It was this, it was this higher way. This way that I knew not of, but it was possible, you know, bacon making it done right. The higher path, the higher path. Jesus is calling us. Paul is calling us to a better way. We've only known this, but there's a better way. And so in chapter 15, where this better way is described. And so what we're going to look at is each one of these things that he says about a better way. And so the first big one is a better way is not an optional way. It's not an optional way. He uses that word, obligation. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. 
the mature among us have an obligation. You know, last week in chapter 14, it talked about the freedom, the mature are the ones that realize their freedom in Christ. There's also the, the mature, the man, they also understand their responsibility to the others. That we're free, but we're also responsible. That's that passage that, that Charlie brought up where Paul says, hey, I'm free. And yet I shape myself to reach out to these people that by all means, some might be saved. You see it in this passage. He says, not to please ourselves, but to please him, the other, for, for his good, for building him up. And this is an obligation. And you might say, Mark, who are you to, to tell me I'm obligated? And I would say, I have nobody. I got no authority to tell you what you should do or shouldn't do, and if this should be something you're committed to. But Jesus does. If you remember, he said, I got all authority in heaven and on earth. (laughs) He's got the right to make the the call. And he says, if you'll remember in John chapter 13, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another in the same way that I have loved you. This is the command. And that's where he says, and everybody's going to know it's true when that supernatural higher way happens, when a community looks like that. So I don't have the authority, but he does. And he says it's it's an obligation. It's, a, it's something that we do. I was in a, in a conversation with a young guy a few weeks ago who's uh, been dating this girl for a long time and, you know, starting to get pretty serious. And they're talking about, you know, the M word and what that might look like. And, uh, but in this, the context of this conversation, he also started bringing up, like, her friends and, and family and how he didn't really necessarily, you know, jive with them so much. And it felt like that aha moment of, uh, in a lot of premarital counseling. It feels like this is a, a statement that kind of you know, blows people away. But it's like, dude, you realize if you take the girl, you take the family and the friends. <laughs> it's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of a package deal. You don't just, you don't just get the girl. And not her family. You know, just, she doesn't just get the dude without, without getting the family. It's, it's together. And I think that somehow we think that, man, all right, we take Jesus, but his, I can love Jesus but not love his family. But that's not the way it works. <laughs> man, you take Jesus, you are becoming a part of this community. And you love others. They're not always easy to love. But you're committed to it. And they're committed to you. Because following Jesus inherently means that we're going to be a part of his family. Also, if you look at it, it's not an optional way. It's, it's an expected response because this is what Jesus did. Verse 3, it says, Jesus modeled out this thing, not living to please ourselves. That's what Jesus did. It also says it's just a natural progress, progression. He loved us, and so we love others. It's a natural trickle-down effect. You can't, you can't all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to love others, but look to Jesus and say, I'm following him. That's the reason why most of Jesus' commands only make sense in the relationship of a community and of, of, of knowing and being known. So a better way is not an optional way. And we have to move past that. We have to move from optional to knowing that this is expected and it's part of our life that we're committed to. The second thing is the better way is not an easy way. And y'all, one thing I love about the Bible, it's not, it, it's not, it's not sugar-coated. Paul's not trying to say, hey, it's going to be real easy, and we get, we get you know, surprised when things are difficult. 
No, he's dealing with the real issues, the real things that divide us, the real natural tendency we have to just take care of ourselves and worry about our own things and not care about others. He's calling it out. The better way is not an easy way. He, he mentions it in verse 4. He says that the scriptures are going are to help us with our endurance in this thing and give us encouragement and give us hope. The hope of this beautiful thing is out there, and we need encouragement along the way, and it's going to require endurance. You know, I know uh, there's some folks in the room who, you know, run those long races, those, those marathons. Even we got some folks that run those ultra marathons, which is absolutely astounding to me. Uh, when, uh, when Terry started running those longer races, I was just in awe the farthest I've ever gone is eight miles, and I remember it. I remember it was in the middle of the summer. I finished that eight miles, got back to her family's house. They had an above-ground pool, and I just fell off the deck into the pool and was like, man, I'm, I may not make it. I, I, I may not make it beyond this. Like that, that was the, I was at the end of myself, and that was eight. I can't imagine hitting 13, hitting 20, hitting 30. That was 50 and above. I, it just blows my mind. But you know, when I've watched, and I, and, the, and I watched Terry training, getting up real early in the morning, and all of that commitment when it's freezing cold outside, and, and all of that, and I, and I think that's just the difference. I'm just not committed to it. You know, if I made that commitment, could I go that far? Pro- I probably could. But man, my, <laughs> my ankle starts hurting, I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm tired. Got me a leg cramp. I'm out. You know, it, it just doesn't take much for me to say, the time, I'm mean, having to get up early in the morning, I'm too busy for that. But if I had a vision of that really mattering, finishing that race, really meaning something, then I think I could stay committed to, to endure the pain, to endure the hardship, and, and be encouraged for the hope of what's out ahead of us. And we got to have some hope of where, where this thing is headed. If you know me very well, you know I, I really am a card-carrying uh, old-school Jeep Wrangler enthusiast. Uh, I, I got one, and I, and I love it. But the thing I really love is not the whole Jeep thing necessarily. I just like being in a car with the top off. I just like the wind blowing through my hair, you know? I, it is. It's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's the thing I like. It's the thing I like. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's four-wheel drive. It doesn't matter if it's whatever. I just like the wind blowing through my hair. Honest truth. I rolled the, uh, the windows down on Brendan's car this morning. And he's like, why are you rolling the windows down? It's cold. Because I, I like the wind blowing in my face. It just feels good, you know? So... The first kind of warm day, I take the hard top off that thing. And it's off right now. And I told the twins the other day, I mean, y'all are going to have like frozen snot coming out of your nose. And we're going to get pulled over for child endangerment before I put the top back on. And you watch it. I will. I'll be in a full coat snowsuit <laughs> with the top off, which makes me look foolish. This, this last year, I look foolish so many times. I mean, there's all kinds of things. The seats are always hot, so you get in and you burn your legs. Uh, this year, more than ever, it rained without me being able to plan very well. And I got caught out driving around with the top off in the rain. And you just look dumb when you pull up to a stoplight and you're just drenched and looking over at the next person next to you like, hey, what's up? And you're just covered. In, in fact, this year, uh, somebody saw me out like that when the rain was pouring really, really hard. And and they knew my parents, and so I get a text from my, from my mom saying, what are you doing out driving with the top off? You need somebody to come give you a ride? I'm getting scolded by my mama because I got my top off. I look foolish. But, y'all, I am committed. I don't care. I am committed to it. We need commitment, commitment to this, that it matters, that it's worth it. 
to see through all of the hard things. And there are going to be hard things. This is, this is not a, an easy way. Um, it's also a supernatural thing. If you look back at verse 5, it said, May the God of endurance. This is, this is a prayer. Hey, this is going to be tough. You're going to need the encouragement of the scriptures to endure towards this hope. And, man, you're going to need the help of Almighty God and his supernatural power to move you forward and to draw us together in unity. Uh, May the God of endurance grant you to live in such harmony with one another, this harmony that he's describing. The other thing is uh, this better way is not a solo way. It's not a solo He's saying harmony, and it's not the first time that that he has said and used the word harmony. Harmony is the goal. You know, I don't know a whole lot about how music works. I was in choir back in the day, so I know a little bit, but uh, I can get Cass up here maybe to talk in more detail about what it it takes to achieve harmony. But I know when I don't hear it, (laughs) right? And and it seems like any time I've tried to do that, like, it's going to require both people, like, you know, Man, you got some pipes. You rein those pipes back in a little bit. Uh, you try to meet this certain note. And so each person, and it's talked about it a lot in this passage, arrogance is the thing that kills this. You're going to have to humble yourself. You have to meet the other person where they are. Uh, at this show the other night, the, uh, the guy, main character, sounded just like Axl Rose, y'all. It, and, and you could tell they had tried to make it work. So anytime he would sing, they had an electric guitar in the background, you know, and it just fit. It's like, man, this, yeah, dude. But, it, but this wasn't an Axl Rose kind of production, right? And the girl, she was like one of the Disney princesses, right? So you got Elsa singing her song, and then you got Axl over here. And most of the time, they were singing at different times. And then it came to this one song that they were trying to sing together. And I saw it coming. I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. And at first they started out and it wasn't going well. You could you just like, you know, imagine Axel and Elsa. Uh, but anyway, uh, is her name Elsa? Am I saying that right? Frozen girl? All right. So, so then like they started to, you know, throttle it back a little bit and they found the place that they hit harmony. And like I said, I don't know much. But I'm like, oh, now that, now, now that's good. And that's what this passage is saying. We got we to do, do that. We got to work and be committed to, to that. And you know when it's not there. And then you know when it is there. And, and our differences aren't the thing that should divide us. Our differences are what makes that harmony so incredibly beautiful. If, if, if we're committed to it, if we endure towards it, if we encourage one another in it, if we hope for that, when, it, when we hit it, man, it's It's beautiful. But it's, but it's not easy. Um, it also says that this is to the glory of God. This, this makes God really happy when this happens. When he sees his children in this kind of harmony with one voice, it makes him happy. And I, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, our, our twins, uh, eight years old, they were, they were just, you know, fighting and jawing back and forth all day yesterday. And it was... I was having to get on to them, and, you know, it's like, man, come on, y'all. Let me get over this. And then the game started, and I told them they just need to go out and get on the trampoline. And I put some music on out there, and what happens when they're on the trampoline and music starts to play? You know, this epic dance party always starts. And, I mean, they are getting down and dancing together and enjoying one another's company. And, And I looked out the window without me out there, and they were out there 
for the first time in the, of the whole day, enjoying one another, having fun together, dancing in unity. And I was like, man, that makes my heart happy. This is, that's the way God looks at us. Man, when we cooperate like that, man, it, it makes him happy. It brings glory to his name. So it's worth going for, but it's not, it's not a solo. And we are committed to this. Not just in a little way. We've always been, you know, committed. But I'm just telling you guys, at this point, the Grove is committed to moving forward in this. And so today is actually the start of a new initiative we're calling Grove Groups. And I've got a video I want to I show you, then we'll talk a little bit about those details. Hey, my name is Mark, uh, executive pastor here at the Grove Church, and I want to let you know about a new initiative that we're getting started called Grove Groups. You know, church is not just an event we go to. It's actually a community. It's not something that we do. It's really something that we are. You know, the biblical picture of what it looks like to be the church really is a group project. Too many times we try to make it so individualistic. So many times we jump immediately to further study and understanding before even really starting with just the forming up of a group of people who are doing life together. And that's just not the context that the Bible gives us. Uh, Even the picture of Jesus and what he talks about, it looks like to be a disciple. It begins with this public picture and and, and declaration that I'm going to follow Jesus and I want to do it in the context of a community. That's what baptism is. And then he says, that yeah, then there's further challenge of what it looks like to obey all of his commands. But in the beginning, that base start is just, hey, I want to be a part of this community. I'm following Jesus. I'm raising my hand. I want to follow him, and I want to do it with you guys. I think we've made the assumption that everyone has that group. But in reality, most people really don't. Not that group of people that really knows them well enough to to care for them well. So if you think about Grove Groups in its simplest form, it is a place where people know one another well enough to care for each other. It's so critical that we've got people in our lives People are there that are there and know when things happen, know when there are needs, know when you have that car wreck and need somebody to come pick you up, know when something's happening with your teenage child and, and you just need somebody's shoulder to cry on, know when you, uh, something happens and there's a, a meal that you're just not able to fix for the family and they can come bring it to your house, your people doing life with you in real time. I really think it means it's a group that's small enough to be really connected. So uh, like six to eight people uh, alongside you that are touching bases at least once a week. And then also once a month, at least once a month, that they're gathering all together uh, just to do life. I know a lot of us are already in small groups. And if you are, I'm going to assume that this kind of care is already taking place. And we're only going to encourage it all the more in our groups. And also, I may be asking for your help to, to draw in some others who don't have that kind of care uh, into our community. I, I don't think I can say it strongly enough how much of a, a passion this is for the Grove leadership. We just recognize that it's a, a deep base need that we're all connected. So I'm going to do the best I can to begin to rally these groups together. But if I don't know that that you're out there, then I really can't connect you. So we really need you to take a step forward and let us know. You can go to the Connect Desk. You can catch a staff member. You can jump on the website and fill out the form there. But please do just uh, step out of the shadows. Let us know that you're there and we'll get you connected. All right. So to to be clear, we are going for 100 percent involvement. 
If you're a part of the growth, then there are six to eight other people who you're doing life together with. And you, you know, if I said that, that was a, that's a radical statement. <laughs> uh, that's going to take us all cooperating together. It's going to take as far as it depends on you, you stepping out. But I don't think we should stop anything short of what God has called us to. 100% involvement. And also, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things going. We've got, we've got small groups and discipleship groups and ministry training and women's Bible studies and guys, all, all of that. And if you think about that, those are places where there's going to be a, a real element of challenge that's taking place. There's also this, this part of connecting. But then there's also a lot of challenge going on there. And really what I'm, what I'm saying is, even before that, there's just a base need for care, that we are caring for one another. And then when we get challenged and we learn something new, again, most of those commands have to do with how we love one another. And so now we've got a context of people that we're doing life together with to act on those commands and those challenges as we're growing in them. And so if you're in a small group, if you're in another one of those things, like I said, hey, this may be happening, but I'm going to be reaching out and trying to get us all 100% involved in this. Uh, that, That You Belong survey that you filled out, if you haven't, you need to, but thanks for all the folks that have. Uh, in that, what I got from you is an email, whatever email you gave me. So I'm going to be communicating with that from mark at thegrovechurch.org. So if you get an email from me, that's what that is. Don't, don't throw it in your trash box. Um, but no, this is a big deal, and we're actually going to do it. We're committed to do it. This is a big deal. The last thing we see from this passage about uh, this better way is that it's just not a passive way. It's, it's something that we take initiative to do. We don't just sit back and wait for it to come to us. As far as it depends on you, it, it says in verse 7, welcome. It's, that, that word is also accept, receive one another. You take the initiative. You reach out. It gives us the picture of Jesus, that he's the one that took the initiative. If you remember Romans uh, 5, 8 God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to take the initiative. He took the initiative towards us. And so a lot of times I'll be in conversations and one of the big things is, man, well, nobody's reaching out to me. And I'm telling you, as far as it depends on you, you be the initiative taker. Take that step. Whether that step is to raise your hand and fill out that survey today, maybe it's that step to go to somebody who you already know in this room, but you guys have gotten disconnected and restore that relationship and move forward together. Uh, if you've got that group and you just want to say, hey, Mark, we already rallied our group up. Don't worry about us. This is, these are our people. This is our group. That's great. I just want to make sure, as far as it depends on us, that everybody is. Everybody's connected. Um, there's also some folks in this room that I'm just, I, I need you to, to rally along with me and own this. For you to take up this, this passion. Passion. Not just be a passion from up front or a passion, but you personally own this passion and are praying together with us that God would get us all connected and moving forward and that our community would have to stand back and go, man, that, that's radical, that's supernatural, that Jesus thing, there must be something to it. You know, that reminds me, I was in a conversation last Sunday with a guy in here who said just that. He said it. He said, he, said, he said, man, I've been around church stuff and Jesus and I've seen it, but I never really have bought in. And then he named off a name of some people in the church and he was like, man, I've seen that it, it changed his life. I've seen the way he is around other people. Man, I've seen that it, it must be real. I want some of that. 
That's what Jesus promises will happen if we take this seriously. So let me pray for us. Father, I, uh, I do. That, that matters. It, for all these reasons, it matters for us that the best way for us and our family personally is that we have this. The best for the people around us, they desperately need it. At the times that we're strong and can help their, the families of the week, then we become the ones who reach out. But that's going to turn and flip upside down, and we're going to need help, and we're going to need care. We desperately need each other, and it's too late to go get it when you're in the middle of the fight. So, Father, I pray that we would, we would do it. We would make it a real attempt and be committed. And then also, as, as this happens, that it would it would just light up this community as they see people actually loving one another, actually putting others ahead of themselves. So Father, I know that's going to require you doing that in us. So I'm asking that you would to your glory. Amen.